In this week's update, China sliding into deflation, US retracement underway, and commodity prices continue to disappoint. My name's Gary Davis. As always, it's general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's start with a quick market perspective. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a shorter video this morning. China is caught in a real economic squeeze, and what they've done so far to re-stimulate the economy after COVID is just not working. It's just not doing the job. And that's a bit of a problem for the rest of the world because China has been such a growth engine for so long. The last data that I've seen, exports and imports were down by 12 to 14%, which is pretty significant. So that's definitely having an impact on global economic activity. And the recent CPI data shows, shows really deflation situation in China. So, you know, that's the backdrop. It's an important backdrop and it'll be very interesting to see just how big the stimulus is going to be that, that the Chinese government are going to have to bring to bear because there's certainly some problems building up there. Commodity prices are generally fairly subdued, frustratingly slow because the outlook is just so robust and, and seemingly so inevitable because of the energy transition. So the situation we've got at the moment is that those commodity prices, whether you look at particularly uranium, but, but also in other areas such as copper and, uh, and nickel, they're just really failing to incentivize private industry to go out there and invest the money to explore and find new sources of minerals. And we've got higher rates is part of that. The weakness in China is part of that, but it's not the whole story. And eventually where demand is virtually a, a given for decades to come, this has to be a self-correcting situation. So for me, this remains an excellent contrarian setup because as with, as with oil, which I'll talk about shortly, we've got a situation where the long-term outlook for prices is really solid and the underinvestment over many, many years is virtually ensuring that the supply can't meet the rising demand. And that's certainly the, the situation that we're faced with in many commodity areas. Now, it doesn't mean that prices are going to start to move up anytime soon because markets can continue to confuse us for lengthy periods of time and go against logic. But we've certainly got a situation now where the supply and demand is appearing to get just more and more out of balance as the years go by. So terrific opportunity over the long term. It's really just a matter of having a, a plan and working your way through it. American stocks, the S&P ended up falling 0.3% for the week, but the NASDAQ and the Russell were down by more than that. So we certainly are into the correction that I spoke about last week. US dollar index continues to edge a bit higher, almost back up to 103. The 10-year yield has also pushed up a little bit higher, so that helped to bring some of the technology stocks down, and that was one of the most sold parts of the US market last week. But interestingly, the VIX fell back down to 14.8, for it was about 17, I think, last weekend, back down to 14.8, which is not really what you'd see if this was going to be a correction that had any sort of decent legs at all. So I think we're looking at a fairly mildish kind of correction, as you'll see in the charts in a minute. And the 10-year, two-year spread was unchanged at 0.73. So let's take a look at the charts. This is the S&P. You can see we've had a great run. We broke out. We retested the breakout. 
and then continue to set higher highs and higher lows. Now, this is the first obvious point of support, technical support, picking up these peaks here and here, and also the 20-day moving average. So this would be a perfect point for the market to find a little bit of support. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days to what extent the S&P rebounds, if at all. If it is going lower, then this would be the next obvious area around this 40, 43, 23 area, which would be another three and a bit percent down. And then the next level comes in really at this first level of the Fibonacci retracement of the whole run from here, from the low of the 13th of October to the high of the 27th of July. So if you put a retracement scale on that, the 38.2 comes in spot on this little high here on the 1st of February. And that would represent another 6.7% from where we are now. So they're the likely outcomes. If the trend is going to remain strong, then I think that might be about it. It's possible we could make it down to here. But I think either, either this level will, will prove to be it. And I'll be surprised if that's the case. I think we'll, we'll probably see a bit more. We might get a bit of a bounce and then perhaps head down to here. I think that's the most likely outcome. So another... 3% down from where we are at the moment. It's fairly innocuous, really. Now, if we look at the where the money's flows are going, this is the NASDAQ versus the S&Ps. We've definitely peaked in the short term, and we're going to come back down, uh, possibly down to here on that ratio. Um, and it's not surprising because the tech sector really had run so hard, particularly with the, the big tech stocks. Semiconductors also came off a little bit. But still looking pretty strong, but they had had a very good run, particularly stocks like NVIDIA. So, so that relative to the S&P is going to go through a bit of a correction as well, but I don't expect with the outlook for semiconductors that this is going to change terribly much. Now let's look at the relative comparison between the different sectors. Let's just go back to the last quarter, which is a, a decent starting point. So at the top, we've got XLY, which is dominated by Amazon and Tesla, as you know. We've got energy that's really come up very, very rapidly from the bottom and is fulfilling the contrarian promise that it's been showing all year. Then we've still got communication services and technology near the top, but definitely falling. They've definitely rolled over on an absolute basis and a contrarian and a relative basis as well. This is finance. And then we've got materials, healthcare, and staples at the bottom. So that's the last quarter. But let's zero in over the last fortnight to see what's happening right now. And you can see energy has just rocketed from, you know, you go back four to six weeks and energy was at the bottom, even on a two-week view. It's now absolutely rocketed to the top. Healthcare staging a bit of a recovery then finance and staples, and you can see technology over the last two weeks, and particularly the last week, has really cratered. But that's only because it had just run up so hard and, and was a correction just waiting to happen. Now, the other, other one I look at is the relativity in the Australian market as well. This is over the last quarter, so leading the way, we've got the IT sector at the top, then energy, finance, materials, and so, which is a small caps, and really interestingly for the Australian market, healthcare at the bottom. So that's the last quarter. 
Let's see what, if anything, has changed in the last two weeks. So what's the market doing now? You can see energy had rocketed up, the same as in the States. We, we did get some selling on, uh, on Friday, but I, I reckon with the breakout of energy in the US that we'll see strength returning to, um, to the Australian energy sector as well. Uh, falling off a cliff in the last two weeks has been the IT sector. And then we've got small caps improving. In fact, small caps and healthcare, the two best performing sectors in the last week. So that's the Australian sector relativity. Let's look at the currencies. We're still within this band. We've moved from the middle of the band. We're getting up into the upper part of the band now. So one would think that the US dollar will probably encounter some resistance around that 104 mark, but close the week at 102.84. And the Aussie dollar is trading down near its lows, as you would expect, and finished at 64.31. All right, so just reaffirming the, the ASX 200 rose 0.2% on, on the week, but we'll probably see that come off on Monday. Look, we're seeing quite mixed earnings, but overall, they're better than expected. So that's the good news. It's probably a little bit better than what uh, many people feared it might be. We've got consumer discretionary, communication services, energy and finance were in the green last week and IT was the worst. So that's the setup on the Australian market. Precious metals, gold fell again. We're, we're down to 1915 now. So gold really, really disappointing. Part of that is the US dollar going up, but not all of it. So part of it is just the straight out selling in, in the gold market. We're now at a short-term double bottom, as you'll see when we look at the chart. So this is fairly important support. And nothing much has changed in the physical market. The central banks continue to be the, um, the most significant buyers in the market. And that's, I guess that's good news because they don't tend to be rapid buyers and sellers. That Once they buy, they're holders for a, a significant period of time. So it's got to be a positive for central banks to continue to be net buyers, yet it's confusing that the gold price continues to fall. So it's a difficult situation to explain. Putting that into Australian dollars, it was because the Australian dollar fell, that helped to cushion it. So we're still not that far off uh, $3,000 an ounce in Australian dollars. And if we look at the global uh, gold stocks, they're pretty much performing in line with the metal, as we'll see. So first of all, let's just have a look at the ASX 200. So still range bound as we have been for more than two years and um, not a lot happening. Lots of short range candles moved up a little bit, but yeah, a pretty, a pretty uninspiring market at the moment. This is gold on a weekly, so two more concerted weeks to the downside. We're on key support here now. Look at on a daily basis, you can see it a little more clearly. And silver is more volatile, but looking pretty much the same. And just finally on gold, GDXJ looks very similar to the gold chart. So just tracking along. Turning to other commodities, copper down a little bit, 376. So was nickel. And as I said earlier, prices are just not reflecting the very bullish fundamentals in those markets. The supply and demand outlook over the next couple of years is highly bullish and prices A are not reflecting that and B are not really high enough to 
to incentivize miners to go out and charge out and spend a lot of money by trying to find new resources. The focus at the moment seems more about growing the size of your individual company by acquiring others. That's not going to help the energy transition supply and demand equation. The fact that we've got quite low inventories, particularly in copper, I believe it's down to less than one day now in the LME warehouse, proves that this is not a demand issue. The demand is there. The issue is the supply. And there's many factors to that. And Chile just aren't producing the amount that they used to. And the supply and demand situation has got to, at some point, cause a spike in prices, whether it's next month or next year remains to be seen. But with a properly constructed plan, there's an enormous opportunity across many of these critical metals. LME, copper, the inventories, they're actually down 26% in the last year. So this is against the backdrop of supposedly a global recession. Copper inventories have, have fallen sharply. Crude oil was up again, up to 83 and this breakout that we've seen in crude oil is just fulfilling the contrarian setup that I've been pointing to all year. And this, the same sort of, sort of thing is eventually going to unfold in critical metals as well. There's a spot copper chart and also the spot nickel chart reflecting those declines and spot seek as well. All right, wrapping things up. The outlook remains, for markets in general I'm talking here, the outlook remains fairly positive. I would expect that the S&P will finish the year higher than where it is at the moment. It's just a matter of how deep is this little correction. And at the moment, it would appear as though it's pretty mild. It's the correction we had to have. Some parts of the market just got a bit frothy, and so we're getting some profit-taking coming in at a time of seasonal weakness, August, September typically some of the weaker months of the year. So, you know, it, it all sort of fits. So for me, this is not a big problem. It's an opportunity. But as we've really seen over the last couple of years, this is not about putting your money where particular sectors necessarily are. It's very much about stock selection. And even if you look at something like the lithium sector, you can get yourself into a lot of strife by just buying any old lithium stock on the assumption a rising tide is going to lift all the boats because it's absolutely not. There've been a few stunning winners in the lithium sector and the majority have been under pressure and have gone down. So this is very much a stock pickers market. Portfolio analysts last week looked at the danger of, of chasing hype stocks and just how fast they could come back. You know, prices can drop two or threefold very, very quickly. We also covered how I manage my personal portfolio as market conditions evolve, because this is a market that's not standing still. It's not static. It's always dynamic. And I think you've always got to be evolving the way that you manage your portfolio. That's it for this week. There's more information on the website. Here's my email address and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.